Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Somos Mas, the official podcast of Somos Mas NM and your source for the latest news and notes on New Mexico United and the New Mexico Runners. My name, of course, is Seth Benoff. Joining me tonight for a very special episode, episode number 100, a show that's been three seasons in the making, Jacob Terrell, Earl Nieto, and our special guest tonight, team president and owner, Peter Trevisani. Pete, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule. David was telling us you've been jet-setting around for the past few days, past couple weeks, and uh, we're glad you could take some time out to come and, and talk with us on our centennial episode. Hey, uh, first, congrats. 100, it's amazing. You know, it's uh, so easy to start something. It's a lot harder to see it through, and 100 podcasts, a lot of planning, a lot of work. You guys should be really proud of the content you put out and the impact you guys have had. So thanks for having me. I super, uh, I definitely feel super honored to be number 100. Hopefully it's, uh, I don't kill the show for you guys and you can recover from this one. <laughs> oh, I, I certainly don't think that's going to happen. I mean, obviously, you know, you are the face of New Mexico United that a lot of folks see and hear from on a regular basis. And so, I mean, for, again, thank you for being on. And uh, we've got Adam Montoya over in the chat already. We're going to have some people po hopefully popping in and popping some comments in the chat for us as we go. Uh, but you've taken a lot of time out, gone on social media, whether it's Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. You even went over on Reddit and did an AMA a couple weeks ago. <laughs> and uh, you roasted our good friend Earl here pretty good that night. So, what? Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm still wondering. I'm still wondering when we were in a car together. <laughs> or it was my avatar it wasn't me i promise i never wrote you. <laughs> uh but yeah we appreciate you being here as always and um so i mean just i mean we i know we've got about 30 minutes with you here this evening so great um we've all got some questions for you uh for me the first thing i want to start with is uh looking at this season um obviously the loss to el paso we were talking before we went live about the loss there um how do you feel this the season has gone from a from a from a business standpoint first of all and also from a uh, results on the field yeah you know it's it's hard to you know the season it's so fluid you're so caught up in the moment you know it's uh you know, when the sun rises, and it's a beautiful day. You forget about all the bad weather the week before. And when it's raining, you forget about all the sunshine you have. And so you have to keep a perspective perspective on it. Um, you know, we're going to have to look back on this season. And whenever we don't win the cup, you know, I, I always really want to do two things just to take a bigger step back. I, we do want to win, but we need to also win in a style that makes our community proud. It's not win at any cost. It's not just buy yourself a team and you know, we need we need players that connect with the community that represent a style of play that that feels like it's New Mexican. I don't know that that's so uh, defined so clearly, but I think we all know when we see it and we know when we don't. I think I like to think we saw a lot of that on Friday night. Um, and uh, and there's been times this year we haven't seen it. So, you know, for the most part, I've been super uh, encouraged by the team's effort, by the coaching staff's ability to make changes and the hard work we put in. And so that does go a long way. That being said, extremely disappointed in the home record. Uh, while our overall record is, is solid, we'll probably have the most points in our club history. Um, it's really important that so many people only see our team at home. You know, maybe they catch it on ESPN, but being at home and being at our best is, is really crucial for us. And so uh, while a game like Friday, I was disappointed we lost. Again, I felt like the effort was excellent. There's been a few home games that we haven't come out the hungrier, more aggressive team, and that and that's been something that we need to fix. And we'll make sure we don't we don't see a lot of it in the future. 
You mentioned ESPN Plus. Um, I want to ask you real quick about the the usage of local media. Obviously, the USL doesn't get a lot of national media coverage. There was a breaking news story about an hour, hour and a half ago that came out where apparently Orlando City has been spying on Sacramento Republic and their practices for the Open Cup final tomorrow. But here specifically across the USL, we see a lot of local media. You know, we have all the TV stations involved. Us, you've got uh, Seek and Strike. You've got Somos Unidos News in the first year. You've got the ESPN radio deal here. Um, what has been, do you think, the biggest factor in the growth of the local media market? And how did some of these deals, particularly the ESPN radio one, come into place there in season one? Yeah, you know, I think... You know, what's interesting, I think going way back to the beginning, you know, a lot of our our mandate as a club was really, you know, the power of yes, believing in yes, you know, believing in, in New Mexicans and believing in people who wanted to believe in us. And so a lot of our early initiatives weren't so much a well thought out plan. We need to be on this radio and in this news publication and da, 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 da. It was who um, just like our shields open, who wants to be a part of this? And that includes media. And so when Joe O'Neill stepped forward really early in the process and said, we want this to be part of ESPN, um, it was an easy yes to say. And man, Joe O'Neill is an amazing person. I don't know anyone that believes more in New Mexico and in our sports and bleeds uh, with all of our colors, you know, uh, and what a, and a terrific human, um, you know. And when we looked at TV stations, you know, when we went to a few TV stations, they wanted to charge us to show our game. So they wanted us to pay money, keep all the advertising dollars. Uh, and uh, with KOAT, um, the first year they said, you know, we'll run them and we won't charge you guys and we'll take the commercials. And now we actually get paid a little bit of money. They help with some of the broadcasts. So those are the kind of partnerships that we really have been looking for. And, uh, and so everyone that we work with are people that have said yes um, early on and, and we'd like to stay with them as long as possible. And by the way, that goes with podcasts and media and, and all these supporter groups. I mean, it's beautiful how many how many different uh, organizations are representing themselves and whatever their most authentic voice is. And, and the rally point is New Mexico United. That's 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 so much more important to me than wins and losses, um, although I like a win like anybody. Uh, but that's when I feel like, hey, this is succeeding and and this has been worth it. Um, so, I mean, I've, I mean, I've got a whole list of questions that Jacob Earl, um, I know we've kind of, we've, I mean, I, I was telling David before the show, like I, I could sit here and talk to you for like an hour and a half. Um, and I certainly don't want to uh, <laughs> empty nester. I, I poured a little apple juice and, uh, I, I'm good. <laughs> Fermented apple juice. I like the fact that you're empty nesting it as well. <laughs> um, and something I mentioned, David, before the show, there was an article that came out a year or two ago on a particular website and, and it talked about the ownership group of, of New Mexico United and how that you were kind of the face of a shadowy cabal of owners. Um, and so I kind of wanted to, I want to talk, get Ron on the show and I've talked to David about this to talk about kind of like how he got involved. Um, for you, you've kind of talked about it a little bit. How did the ownership group come together? And then how, you, how did you specifically get to become the face of the club? Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, uh, God, there's a longer version. I'll try to go for a little more medium because you're asking for some important, uh, you know, 
We'll get to some uh, Pete's leaks for sure, Carlos. But, uh, um, you know, I'll, I'll go with the medium one because you really you, you kind of mentioned a lot of things there. You know, I um, my interest in New Mexico United before New Mexico United was when I left uh, my world of finance. I was thinking about some things I could do. And I, I, I had heard about the Albuquerque Soul. I got to meet Ron Patel. I went to a game. I thought it was great. It wasn't quite the platform that I was interested in you know, building a business around. And. Um, and so at the time, I didn't really pursue that very aggressively. Uh, I had left, uh, I had retired or, you know, left my, uh, I kind of shut down my career in finance after 20 years. We took a year off, went to Spain. When I came back, I started to focus on some things I really loved. One of them was Meow Wolf and immersive theater and help them kind of get that kickstarted in the early days. And uh, I wasn't really necessarily planning on moving forward on the soccer side, but Ron called me up and said the USL had put together an ownership, a, a group of individuals, um, and they wanted to pitch the idea of uh, the USL team. And so I went to that meeting. At the time, Ed Garcia and the Garcias were going to lead the, uh, the, the group. Um, I met Ian McKinnon for the first time, a great person. I met uh, Ben Spencer for the first time. And um, really, everybody in that room was new to me. And I heard the whole proposal and how it would work and the structure. And as I thought about it over the next couple of weeks, I remember calling Ian McKinnon and saying, hey, Ian, you know, I really love this idea, but if I'm going to get involved, I actually, I'd want to run it and actually be the lead investor. So I put the most amount of money in and, and also uh, run the club every single day. And I'd be the only owner in the league that actually ran the club. And Ian liked the sound of it, so I talked to the Garcias, and I think the Garcias liked it too. I think they were interested in a community uh, project and supporting the community, but they also had car dealerships and real estate, and they're really busy. They're, they're, they've had such a huge impact. So, so over the next few weeks, we got the ownership group together, well, formulated it, uh, solidified it, and put a plan together, and then I started to take the lead role, and and, you know, we added Jason Harrington down the line, Sloan Swanson down the line, Josh Shaver down the line, and, and that's our ownership group. So, yes, I would say it's fair to say I'm the face. Uh, I am the majority owner, and uh, I'm so proud to be uh, partners with each and every one of the, those people. They've been amazing. They, they're diverse. They have different views, different ways they want to grow this state, but they all believe in New Mexico deeply, and, and that's what we're pushing forward with. Jacob, I can't tell if you've got a question or if you're trying no, to. No, it's a bug. I, I think he just he's flipping me. I didn't like that. No, no. <laughs> no. Start over. <laughs> I do have a question, though, Peter. Um, some of the ire of fans um, is, a, is a lack of transparency in a lot of things with the USL um, when it comes to uh, salaries for the players, injuries. Uh, stuff like that. Is that is that something that most USL teams are doing, or are you guys pretty hush-hush on that because of your philosophy? Look, this is why we have Pete's Leaks. I am a huge believer that this is – I look at this as an immersive experience. For me, how do we bring – how do we get rid of these barriers between supporters, players, coaches, owners, you know, sponsors? How do we try to meld it and get it – we know that – our fans can't go out and and you know play on the field. We understand it. You know everyone has roles, but how do we bring it as close together? So, I hate um, some of that lack of transparency. I don't know that it's all so 
overt and planned out. I think some of it is just maybe maybe there hasn't been a lot of interest in the past, but I like, for example, injury reports, um, you know, I really want to take a different approach to that. I, I understand the competitive disadvantage you would be in to say so-and-so is out for eight weeks. Right. Um, if they're your best goalie or striker, um, I understand that. But I do think it's important that fans understand, supporters understand that certain players are injured and that's why they're not in the lineup. Otherwise, they think they've been benched and they did something wrong. Conversely, if they're not injured and they're not playing, then you could ask, hey, how come they're not playing? Did they have a bad practice? Is it a tactics? Um, and so I think we have to do a better job of that of that transparency. You know, on the salaries, um, I'd be fine listing everyone's salaries. I'm really proud of the growth we've had. Um, you know, uh, you know, I don't think we had a single player over $50,000 on our team in 2019. And, uh, you know, now we have players uh, that make six figures. Um, and we have a lot of our players make 50,000 or more. Uh, in fact, uh, and when you start to factor in housing and other benefits, it's almost every player is. And so while, you know, these aren't multi-million dollar contracts, what you're starting to see is these players can be full-time players um, and they don't need to have a second job. Uh, and that's only going to be going up. And, and I, I would love, I, I, I would love to say that once we're in our own facility, our own stadium, and you know, why not? I think we could double, triple our payroll and really make a run at the open cup like Sacramento is right now. And, 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 and uh, the last point on that is when our, our salaries are, we have so many players on our team that, you know, maybe they could be on an MLS team and at the back of the bench and not playing a lot. And they choose to get paid the same or more money to come with us and be a starter and, a big part of it. Look at Justin Portillo. He absolutely could. Uh, he absolutely could have stayed with Real Salt Lake and been in the MLS this year. Instead, he comes here. He's an all-star and, and a terrific human being. All right. So I know Carlos has asked about some Pete leaks and, you know, we hear things from time to time. We've heard some proposed like merch ideas and obviously, you know, player signings have gotten leaked a little bit early this year. You know, the, the ratty news came out earlier we know that uh, Kevon was seen in and around town prior to his announcement. Um, Earl actually, Earl and Carlos saw him at the stadium ahead of time. Um, we know that you kind of teased it on, on ESPN radio as well. Um, what's been like the biggest thing that David's gotten mad at you about that got leaked early? <laughs> <laughs> David's got uh, he's got a bigger list uh, than he has for Santa Claus of the things I've done wrong in his mind. So um you know, look, in all fairness to David, he wants to protect the club. And there's a reason why we don't leak things. I mean, there is there, is, there are ramifications and, and uh, you have to be sensitive. For example, when you're bringing a new player onto the team, I really think it's important that the players that, that are on the team hear about that first. Uh, and don't read about it in a tweet uh, or from a Pete leak. Um, you know, if we had a player that we traded or, you know, acquired. And so... You do want to be a little bit careful. There is an order of, of operation. The coach is working on chemistry. So, but you know, that being said too, I also am a big fan of, of again, the surprise and delight. And I think fans should be, I love guessing what my team's going to be doing. I love looking at free agents, you know, in the NFL, for example, you know, I want to see who the draft picks might be and who, who the practice squad players are and what free agents we may get and who's out of contract. And 
et cetera, et cetera. I mean, that, that's half the fun and, you know, trying to be a stay at home GM. I do it all the time. I mean, I do it with our team too. I write down all kinds of things about our, our team. As, as do we. As yeah, do we. it's great. And it's, it's so fun. So I'm always open to ideas. If you guys have good ideas, you want to think about things we could do. I don't care if we're the only team doing it. And, you know, I don't want to break any. We'll certainly go push it to the wall. And uh, as long as it's right for us, it's right for New Mexico. Oh, here we go. This is exactly where kind of we were going here. Alex Rodriguez over in the chat. Anything you can tell us about the proposed stadium locations? Obviously, there was a KOE, I believe it was a KOAT article a few weeks ago that said that downtown is no longer a viable option. Obviously, that's not what you wanted. Um, so where where are you at with a location? And is it going to be Mesa del Sol? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we're still working on it. Um, I'll save you the suspense. I'm not going to say where it's going to be, but I'll also be honest, I don't know exactly. We have a couple of the, you know, when you look back, if you want to take a real honest look at what happened, you know, it was a very, uh, you know, it, when the vote, you know, the whole period leading up to the vote was very difficult. Um, there was a lot of lessons learned and, um, and, you know, it was a very emotional time. And, you know, I, I've, I've said this before and I'll say it again, the best night of sleep I got last year was the night of the election, you know, because it was behind us and we could move on. And, and so, um, and so that, that was good, but it did take some while to get some mojo back and momentum. What next, what are we going to do? And so the first thing we decided to do is, well, where's some land and who wants us there? We want to be there. Can we figure that out? Is there land? Does the owner want us there? Do we want to be there? And the owner can also be the broad community. And so we think we've identified it, identified some sites. Of course, Mesa civil soul has a lot of land there. Steve Chavez has been, and Dave Campbell have been great out there. So we're certainly exploring that. That's not a secret. Um, is it going to go out there? I, co I couldn't tell you that. I also, I also think we want to think about our mission a little bit too. You know, our mission is, isn't about soccer. Our mission is to be an agent of positive change, to, to bring our community together in ways that hasn't been brought together before and to grow New Mexico. And so where can the stadium be a catalyst? Yes, I personally believe downtown had that element. I understand that's not where it's going to happen. No problem. Um, you know, and but there are other places that I think can be a big catalyst. So, you know, I want to, you know, I want to, you know, take that in consideration. And yes, I'll be in San Antonio on Saturday. Let's get a beer. Yeah. Uh, so one of the things that, that we've also heard about in terms of merch, we heard a proposed idea for some co-branded New Mexico United and Ice Wolves gear. Is this remotely a possibility? Because I think that would be really cool to see. Love it. Yeah, I, I'd love to do that. I mean, we need if we need to. You know, we every we we. How do we make a bigger pie? We support each other. We work together. We collaborate. We don't say I need all that revenue. I need to be the number one ticket. I you know we say hey. Let's go collaborate. Ice Wolves, amazing brand. Those guys have done a fantastic job. I love that team. They're gritty. They, uh, I think they represent exactly. You know, we talk about representing our state. They do it perfectly. So yeah, we're gonna let's definitely collaborate with them. That's why we collaborated with Meow Wolf because we felt that while it wasn't sport, it was art. They also represented a lot of our ethos. And if we were New Mexico United was a group of artists, we'd want to be Meow Wolf. And 
And, uh, and, you know, there's other collaborations, you know, there's, there may be one that you see before the season ends, um, with an iconic brand. So, uh, we're not done yet. So, um, uh, you know, so there, there are a couple more things coming down the pike and, uh, the portal Jersey that, that you're wearing, Seth, I love that. I love that it was designed by a Meow Wolf artist and, um, and so, you know, we might have a little follow-up to that this year too. So there's a lot, we're always doing stuff. We can't, we don't, we, we've got ADD over here. <laughs> you mentioned the in-house artist um, or the local artist in the Reddit AMA. You, someone brought up the idea of having, of the club sponsoring an in-house artist. Um, has, has that progressed any at all? Have you guys identified anyone? How, how are you going about processing that? It's an amazing idea and it hasn't progressed primarily just because we are, we're going as fast as we can on what we're working on. We're really spread thin. We have to be realistic, you know, uh, you know, we, we have an alligator appetite, but sometimes, you know, we have, you know, we're more like a hummingbird. We don't necessarily have every, all the resources at our disposal. We don't have an unlimited budget. So I love the idea of having a academy for artists. And in some ways we've done that in an indirect way by, by, um, presenting some, you know, new and, uh, up and coming muralists. Um, by presenting some newer artists that maybe haven't been uh, as well known, as well as uh, taking some of our well-known artists in Albuquerque that have been making amazing art for decades and introducing them to a new audience that maybe didn't didn't know they they uh, weren't familiar with their work, and so we're going to continue to do that because we could do a good job with that. But I love the idea of somehow trying to figure out a way to have an academy for artists. Obviously we have art schools and we have organizations for that, but that's, that's amazing. And the Somos Unidos Foundation is really there to create positive art outcomes through art and sport. And we just added a board member who uh, has more of an art background than a sports background, really doesn't have any sports background. So I think you're going to see us doing more there. And, and I'm super excited to get back, back into that. So I want to ask you to looking back at obviously from year one to now, obviously, and you've stated multiple times, the goal is to win a USL cup, hopefully maybe even a US open cup at one point. Where do you, do you think, how do you think the club is positioned now compared to coming into this in order to help accomplish those goals? And do you think the club is positioned now to succeed going forward? Um, I think we're always in a constant state of learning. Uh, I don't think, we're being self-effacing. We're not at the level that we want to be at. You know, when I look at the USL, uh, I look at Louisville. I look at Tampa. I look at Pittsburgh to a certain extent. I, I'm sorry I'm going to say Phoenix, but you got to tip your cap when you got to tip your cap. I know they're not getting it done this year. Um, uh, you know, even El Paso. So I think there's a group of teams that we know we can compete with any given night, we can beat them. Um, but what they're showing is that year in and year out, there's a consistency of excellence and a consistency of expectation that they're just gonna, they're gonna be in the conference semifinal, conference final, or in the cup, anything short of that, or win the supporter shield, anything short of that is really uh, not a success. And I think right now we're still, uh, we clearly expect to be in the playoffs every year. And I think this year we really wanted to make that leap into, into the next uh, echelon. And we still can do it. I love this team. We have some great players. Um, the effort is high. We, 
I look at how we've been playing the last couple of games, and I don't think that our record reflects what's been happening on the field. But you are what you are. And right now, we're a fifth place team in the Western Conference uh, with, um, you know, with a few, you know, with with some teams ahead of us and some teams behind us with six games left. I think we could probably finish, you know, as high as third, realistically fourth. If we don't, you know, turn it around uh, on the field and get the results, we could finish out of playoff contention. So we got to take care of business and get it done and get in the playoffs and see what happens. But on the field, I think it's the most talented team we had by far, actually. What do you guys think? <laughs> I'm trying to let Earl hop in here. Earl is like, on, Earl, what do you think? How's the yeah. talent level of this team versus the last three years? I honestly would say this is probably the best talent we've ever had. I mean, we ha we're looking at five or six strikers. Um, our midfield, I mean, we have one of the best players in the USL right now with Justin Portillo. Mm -hmm. um, I saw Jacob look up and smirk at me because he, he knows some of my feelings on some of the players. Former players. There's one still that, that I'm not on for. Yeah, that's true. Okay. Um, so yeah, so two overall that that's like turned off completely by, um, but overall I think our club is great. I mean, that's why I keep going on Friday nights and it's like keep showing up. Pete, Thank how you much? For that, by the way, I, I understand it's not, it's, uh, it's the flip, you know, you know, winning is important. You know, we're not going to win all the time. I think we know that, but I also think in New Mexico, you know, maybe there's an expect there's, there's, you know, it means more to us here. You know, we haven't had a lot of things we can point to and say, we're the best at this. And, and we're not just the best as a one-off. We're going to be the best year in and year out. And that's really what I want to do here. What our ownership group wants to do here, what David Carl wants to do, coach Prince, the players, we want to show that we New Mexico consistently can be the best that we're a place that people want to come to, not leave, that they're calling us to say we want to play in front of those fans, which Kalen Ryden did, you know, after our first year. He's like, I just saw when I came and played here when I was with the Monarchs, I knew this is where I was going to play for the rest of my career. I'm never going anywhere else. That's what we want. And Kalen plays like that. And and uh, and you see the players that play like that. And so that's what we want to build here. When it doesn't work out, it's it's disheartening. It hurts. It, believe me, I want to apologize to 10,000 people when we lose a game, one one at a time, um, because I feel like we've let them down. Uh, but at the end of the day, that's that's part of it. It's it's a, the outcome's uncertain, and that's why we love it. We're not going to see a movie or a play. We're going to see a live event. That's that anything can happen. Um, and uh, but when it when it when we win it is going to feel so much better than if it just came so easy. So uh, we're going to get it. We're going to get How it. Much? I believe in this group. I, I really do. I just, the last couple, I feel like we click, we're, we get a few more goals and I don't know that there's a better, I don't think there's a team that we would say, you know, we shouldn't beat. Um, we won't beat them all, but let's go. Let's go against the best. I'd love to see it when we're, when we're playing at our best. How much of this roster turnaround can be contributed to the addition of Itamar and his role in, in getting players like Raddy and and Nico and them mm -hmm. over here? 
Itamar has been huge um, to have a dedicated, you know, the first, you know, I wouldn't call it a mistake. You know, the first year you have to remember uh, we had no idea what <laughs> right. we were walking into. We were on a really right. tight budget. We went with a assistant coach. We, uh, Troy Lassane, who's, we're going to watch him in the MLS one day. Um, you know, he's still learning and now you, know, you see what he's doing with the Red Bulls. And, you know, uh, I, I think the best is still ahead of him. Um, and so I think that, you know, but Troy was picking all the players and in year one, that was okay because he'd been an assistant coach for so long. Like we're writing down names on napkins. He's been writing down the names of the team he would have when he was the head coach uh, forever. So he just went out and got those players. But as the workload increased, as the seasons, you know, especially COVID, just the amount of, of emotional energy that went into playing every game on the road, you could see a really war on him. And, and frankly, we had some very subpar signings, um, great human beings, but guys that we locked into multi-year contracts that really um, weren't performing at the level that, that they should given their contract. And we've been trying to unwind some of those the best we can and bring in uh, new players. And Itamar's done a great job of not just helping Zach Prince to pick the players that he wants for the team, but also negotiating contracts that are good for the player, but also give the club some flexibility. And so I look at Ratty, that would never happen without Itamar. No one would have had the time to work through that contract. Uh, Carl, Asante, uh, and Haiti, who we lent out to uh, basically Dallas, um, you know, that would never have happened uh, without him. And, and there's, uh, there's been a couple other young players that we've been looking at that aren't on the team right now, but um, we're still working on it. And, and so I'm really happy that we have him. And, and I know Zach is too. And, and that, but that's been a little bit of a learning process and we're just getting better. Everything's a, you know, everything's a one-off right now, but soon we're going to have all the pieces fully meshed. Craig in the chat asks if you have a favorite former player. Put you on the spot a little bit. Oh, uh, you gotta, I mean, are you, it's, is it, you know, I always say, uh, maybe you guys can help me with this. You know, you, with your kids, it's just a given that you have to love all your kids the same. Like that's how you have to talk about it. But, you know, we've had I'll, a couple dogs. And I'll tell I you right now, I have a favorite kid. Okay. All right. Well, <laughs> I, don't show them this. Um, <laughs> You know, but I had a dog I didn't like, and my wife gave me a hard time. She's like, you're not allowed. You have to love the dogs. I said, I don't have to love the dogs. Like, they're they're not my kids. I can have a favorite dog and a least favorite. So I guess the players are more on that bucket than the kid bucket that I can, you know, like some more than others. But, you know, I, I'll tell you over, um, I've kept in touch with Santi. Um, I, I know, you know, he's a great guy to hate because he went to Phoenix and, I don't love the way it ended with him, but over time, I do love his passion. I think he's a great human being. And uh, if we had a chance to play, work together in the future, I'd, I'd welcome that. Um, I think, you know, David Estrada, I'm so lucky that we get to still work with him. The amount of, no one, I think, really appreciates, very few people can really appreciate how hard he works in the community. And David, what a great example, like David Estrada from Salinas, California, amazing MLS career, uh, comes to New Mexico, plays with us for a couple of years. Now he decides that this is where he's going to live and this is where he's going to put his effort and he's raising a family here. In 20 years, we're going to have one of the Estrada kids on our team. I know it. And, and that's the cycle. Those are the seeds. Like that's the, that's the bonsai tree that we're, we're growing right now. Mm -hmm. We're only in year four. We got to keep that in mind. 
Um, the leaves are just starting to blossom and the things that we're putting in place, we aren't even going to see the benefits for 10 or 20 years. So, um, you know, th those are some, some of the, you know, Cody's great. Uh, got to run into him. I, I love a lot of the, the, the former, there's only a few former players that I look back and said, mm, probably uh, wish they weren't on our team, uh, but they're not. So we're moving on. Speaking of seeds being planted in the community, Tomas Sanchez over in the chat, we got a question. What sort of collaboration is there between United and any of the area schools? I know years ago when the club first started, you guys, this is where I actually first met Ron, was at a back-to-school drive at one of the yeah. one of the local schools. And they were get, the club was there giving out, helping give out backpacks and shoes and supplies and things like that. So um, speak to a little bit more to what the club is doing in and around with the local schools. Yeah, 100%. It's a great question. So um, you know, we, in 2019, we were, we spent so much time in the schools, whether it was school supply drives, food drives, or we just went in, into classrooms and we met with teachers and kids and did assemblies. Uh, and it was amazing. Those were some of my personal favorites. I couldn't believe that before we kicked the ball, we had 500 kids in high school singing, you know, yelling, Somos Unidos. And that just, and that just felt like this is really going to work. Um, and then, you know, COVID hit and everything kind of contracted. And during COVID, it was easy to get out in the community, not the schools per se. Um, and then I think in the last year, as the COVID ban lifted and we were doing more things, there was, we were a little bit slow to get back into the community at the level that we were before. And that, by the, and by the way, that starts with me. I was slow to think about it. I wasn't directing traffic that way. We have a great team. But it wasn't like I was saying, hey, we got to get back in the schools. But in the last couple of months, we've talked a lot more as a team, as an organization, a front office organization and said, COVID's over. Our team's up and running. We're back in normal times. You know, let's get back to the, all the other things that we're doing. Um, and uh, and we, in addition to everything, one of the things was let's get back into school. So over the last few weeks, we've been doing a lot of assemblies, a lot of clinics, um, and then also supporting school teachers, school teachers have a hard job and it's, it's probably, I don't know how they do it, especially in this, the modern circumstances, but sometimes school teachers just need some tickets for a, a, someone in their class that did a good job. So a lot of times the interactions are more one-on-one -on -one or in smaller, you know, sizes versus big assemblies. But if you've got a school and you want to do some of the United reach out to us, uh, if it makes, if it makes even a little bit of sense, we'll make it happen. So I have one question I've been trying to ask forever, but Jacob or Seth had all the questions. So I guess he's out of questions. So it's my turn. Um, so looking back at the past three and three quarters of us of years, um, what would you say the overall state of the club is? I think the, the club um, is activated. You know, I think, I think we putting all the numbers aside, I feel that we have executed the mission extremely well uh and by the way if you work with me you hear me talk about all the things that we don't do well and how we have to focus on improving but i but our mission was to be an agent of positive change and i think we've done that our mission was to bring our community together in ways that hasn't been brought together in before and i think we've done that our mission was to make everyone feel welcome and, and invite everyone not everyone has to be a part of it but everyone needs to at least feel like it's for them, whatever that means. And I think we've done a really good job there. 
and and also deliver a super exciting high level of professional soccer and show that we can we can have this in New Mexico. So I think we've done all those things. Um, is it perfect? No. Are, do we have growing pains? Of course. Are we? You know, there's a great uh, in the uh, in the the HBO Laker show about uh, you know winning time. I don't know if you guys have seen that, but there's a great there's a great scene in the first episode where uh, Bussy compares himself to a swan, where it's elegant as it's floating around. All you see is this beautiful, elegant swan, but underneath the water, it's paddling like crazy. And we do a lot of paddling because we've bitten off a big chunk, and we uh, and we got to chew it while we're on the run. So um, I just think we need to keep growing. We need to stay. We don't. We don't need to get complacent and just fall back on our core base, which is strong. How do we get new people engaged? How do we reach out? How do we get people from other communities in outside Albuquerque, um, et cetera, et cetera. So I don't know. I feel really proud of what we've done. I love our staff. Our, the, the people we have are amazing. None of them come from sports, essentially. And, and I think we've created something we should be proud of. So, yeah, I'm bragging I, like a kid. I only have two more questions for me. Um, the first question is on the screen right now. Um, name a player from El Paso that you would sign, and why wouldn't it be Yuma? <laughs> I'd sign who's ever retiring so they don't have to play for us. <laughs> I would never sign anyone from there. <laughs> there you okay. go, Jerry. You're happy. No, I look, I, uh, you know, Yuma, um, I, you know. You know, Yuma's everything you want. I mean, I'm so happy he plays for El Paso. I'm so happy people see uh, his style of play. When Kevon Freda was trying to pick him up and carry him when he was, you know, faking his injury. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, I just started laughing my ass off. We're like in the 89th minute or, you know, stoppage time. I don't know. It was super late, tense game. And I just started laughing my ass off. I said, you know, that's all. What a great moment. Um, and, uh, you got to give him credit. He does a good job for them. He didn't do uh, a great job covering Kavon for the goal, but he's, um, you know, he's a player you love to hate and El Paso is a strong robbery. I'm the, one of the benefits of the COVID era is that we got to play him so many times. And, uh, and while I wish, you know, we, we, we also played Phoenix those same amount of times. I think it really solidified the El Paso rivalry and it's one that's going to go on for a long time. Obviously El Paso and Colorado Springs are, kind of right, you know, plan B and C. So, um, you know, if they had a good player, I, we would sign them, you know, in the right circumstance. It's their, uh, but in the meantime, we hate them and we want to crush them and we want to be the ones to knock them out of the playoffs, knock them out of contention. Um, so, uh, you know, right now we owe them one for, for uh, the last playoff loss. Yeah, I think uh, Pete's going to get a new tattoo. It's going to say FEP. <laughs> Oh, Pete. <laughs> I like it. I know where I'm going to put it, too. <laughs> so, I'm never be able to see it unless I have a minute. So one of my other questions was, you mentioned El Paso being the rivalry. Um, what would you say is the bigger rivalry between El Paso or Phoenix, especially year one through three where we were next, before the COVID seasons, obviously, and then into this season? What would you say was the biggest rivalry between us and the other two teams. Yeah, I mean, I think in year one, El pa uh, Phoenix had a bigger platform because they were such a good team and they were established. 
and they were winners and they and they also had a lot of guys that like to flop and whine and they're like a bunch of rocks they they come they come across as a bunch of prima donnas sometimes you know and you know the, you know i know i know a lot of the players they're good guys and good people but the image of them is that they're kind of cooler than everybody else and we're not good enough and uh and then we went out there and we beat them and we beat them in the open cup and uh you know and then we had our open cup run and and i think that really set the tone that grit can outdo you know flash um we obviously didn't get to play them like we would have liked to during covid we had that fiasco this year which you know um i don't you know i'll i'll keep that to myself but uh was not handled well by phoenix um and then they put a lot of spin on it to try to make it seem like we were doing something and uh but we took the high road on it we beat them seven nothing and and sent them home and um and they tried to get away with something that that did that ended up costing them i think it's been a major turning point of their season and has really uh they haven't really been the same since that part of the season and and uh cost the coach their job and and it's been tough out there so but i do think that you know phoenix is an important rivalry they're a great organization the ownership group's hyper committed uh they have a lot of good people there and uh between um between them and El Paso, I think we have a lot of uh, good local games that we can we can focus on. And Colorado Springs too. I mean, that that's a tough club with a great stadium, and so I think we're really fortunate to have the three powerhouses uh, within driving distance. New Mexican driving distance, not East Coast driving distance. <laughs> yeah, there's a difference there. Yeah. I've learned. Uh, friend of the show, Harry Austin, over in the chat. Which of the new USL expansion clubs excites you or could be the next New Mexico United? Rhode Island, New Orleans, Jacksonville, the Jacksonville area, or some other area? And your general thoughts on expansion and uh, the possibility of pro rail coming? Yeah, so I think everyone should be hyper excited about the expansion that's going on. These ownership groups that are coming in are world class. And not that the ownership groups that we have now or that came before weren't. Um, but even in the four years that I've been you know, lucky enough to, to be an owner of this team and meet the other owners in the league, there's been a huge step up in the, in the, the quality of these groups in terms of uh, their commitment to their community, the engagement of the owners, um, their, their financial capabilities. And so what, while some people say, oh, there's all this turnover, I think I think there has been a natural turnover with some of the teams that just weren't well financed or weren't in markets that had traction needed to either, unfortunately, uh, either go down to a lower division or or close up shop. And most of that, I think, has happened. You know, there may be one or two more along the way. It's not to say it won't happen, but you look at New Orleans, Jacksonville. Um, those are major markets. They have NBA teams. They have NFL teams in those markets. And now they're. Now they're going to have, this is going to be their, they're not getting MLS teams. This is their team. And, you know, Rhode Island, what a great, it's just like New Mexico. Rhode Island never has had a pro team. And now they've always been part of New England and had a route for somebody else's. Now they have their own team. They're going to be, they have a beautiful stadium on the waterfront that, that's being proposed. And uh, I'm excited about all those guys. But yeah, let's go to, let's, let's go to New Orleans. I'm buying Bring your beats, Seth. <laughs> hey, let's do it. I, I, I'm all <laughs> for it. Let's go. Um, Jacob, do you have any more for Pete? Because I've got one more. No, no. Go ahead and we'll get him out of here. All right. So I've got one more before we do let you get out of here, Pete. Um, you talked about the the activation of the club, the 
being in and, evol- in and around the surrounding areas, not just in Albuquerque. The U23s went on tour this season. Um, <laughs> yeah. Talk to us a little bit about how that came about, working with the different locations, and what was the turnout for that? Like, how did that compare to what the club was expecting? I, I think it was incredible. Um, I don't know if you guys caught any of those road games. Um, I went up to Taos. Uh, went to Santa Fe and the Taos. Those are the ones that I was able to catch. Um, here's the, here's the thing is that it's easy to say we're new. I'm pointing the wrong side. Cause it's here. We're, <laughs> we're New Mexico United, right? We're in New Mexico. We're for the state. You could say that, but how do you back it up? And because otherwise it's just words. Now, of course, our, team is going to the first team's going to play in Albuquerque that's that's where we're going to be so what else can we do and yes we so we went out and we did clinics uh in in all these towns across the state before we had our first season but what ends up happening is once the season kicks in you can't take your players and drive up to Dulce to do a clinic it's just it's just not practical um and so with the U23s we have a real opportunity to to take some amazing young soccer players, some up and comers and have our home games be all over the state. And, uh, and the, the response was, you know, was way more than we thought it would be. Um, and it wasn't just that we had a lot of people there. They were doing the magic minute, you know, they were on their feet for magic minutes. They were waving the flags. They were chanting, you know, for them, it was a slice of New Mexico United. Many of them come to our games. And now for one instant, even though it was the U23 team, we got to come to them and they got to be proud of their town and show off Gala and show off Farmington and show off Roswell and, and, and show us, hey, this is where we live. And we're so proud that you're here. We want to we want to you know share with you. So I get a little choked up thinking about it. Um, we need to do more of that. Um, I don't know if that means preseason in like Las Cruces or in the South instead of Arizona. That's one idea we're kicking around. Um, you know, maybe touring our academy team a little bit more now, now that we know some of the facilities. And, um, and so I think we just need to do more of it. It's a lot of work. Uh, it's a huge amount of effort from the front office that's already t- overworked and taxed. Uh, but, but I think it also gives, this is the fuel that we all live on. This is the only reason we work for United. Um, and, uh, and so I know everyone that, that was part of it is really proud of it. All right. Well, Peter, thank you so much for your time this evening. We do appreciate you, you being here. Um, one thing we do on the show every week is we give our score predictions for the upcoming match. Obviously RGV this weekend. Uh, what's your final score prediction for a Saturday evening? Boy. So RGV is a really tough place to play. Um, it's a really hard place to get to. It, the environment is hostile, but not hostile in like in a motivating way. Um, it's harder to explain. Um, and so we've had we've struggled there. But I also know they have a really big field, and the grass is cut really low, and it's the fastest team we've had. And our team needs to be hungry. So I'd really like to see us go down there and get a three, nothing clean sheet and really set the tone for the rest of the season. I know I've cursed it by saying that. Um, I understand all the hurdles we have, but this is, this is the kind of game we have to break the mold and break away from our past and, sh- and show our commitment. So 
Um, yeah, the Ron Patel Derby. Uh, you know, we we rescued Ron. He was like a, a straight. You know, <laughs> he went to the neighbor's house and uh, realized the food was better here. But we we love. By the way, Ron Patel, amazing. I'm so happy he's back. This is where he's supposed to be. Um, and uh, I'm happy he had that opportunity in our in RGB, and even happier that he chose to return. So, so anyways, that's what I'm at. Where are you guys at on the game? Jacob, let's start with you. Ah, uh, yeah. Um, this club's been just been so up and down. Um, but like you said, the the form, the form, and and the process has looked really good uh, most of the season. Honestly, I think we've only really been outplayed maybe twice. Uh, maybe three times all season and the rest we've either been just as good or the better club. The results just haven't always been there. Uh, And when you go to a place, when you go to a place like, like RGV, um, sometimes the results don't show up like they should because of that environment down there. That being said, um, I do think I, I've been working on a theory that part of the reason why we struggle here a little bit more is the small pitch. Uh, especially yeah. this season uh, with with grass. the team, yeah, and the team that we have is is just very dynamic and and very fast and and can do a lot of good things. And I'm I'm excited to see what a little bit more space does for that. So I, I think we're going to go down there. We're going to get three points. It might not be um, as dominant as a three nothing win, but I, I think we get out of there two one. That'd be great. I'd say we had a lot of two one wins in the road early. I'd, I'd take I'd take one of those two. That's Earl? By the way, very good. By the way, good uh, points, Jacob. I think our pitch, um, we love playing at the lab. It's not, it, it, this isn't an excuse. Both teams play on that pitch. Mm. The field's rough. The grass can be, I know they're doing the best they can, or, you know, that's, but the, the, the grass is a little tall. And, uh, you know, I'm hoping that next year with the improvements, the isotopes in the city of Albuquerque, the city's putting in a lot of money next year to improve that park. So you're going to see, I don't know what the ISOs have announced or not, so I don't really want to say exactly. It's not my leak to give, but I think we're going to have the capability and the ability to have a wider field next year. We're going to take advantage of it even a few yards. I don't know that it could be much longer, but, uh, you know, I, I think there are going to be some things there that will help us. I have heard a rumor that they are removing the hill out in center field. So I don't know if that's what you're referring to or not, but could that be. would definitely make the, help make the pitch a little bit wider, so. Could be. Yeah. And you could probably slide it to the right a little bit. Yeah. A little wider. And, uh, um, you know, I loved, I loved, you know, I can't wait to work. We're going to make it as long and wide as we can. It's our own place. You know, we're not putting our opponents at the disadvantage that they need to be when they come to 5,300 feet and have a hard travel day in Albuquerque, because it's probably not a direct flight and we need to punish them and just make them, basically uh you know half die in order to beat us and right now we're not you know doing that consistently enough uh with our opponents and um so let's go down to rgv and and show them what we got earl what's your prediction for saturday you're muted (laughs) i've done this before i swear it's not my first day um (laughs) So, because Jacob's a jerk and took my my score prediction, it's not um, my fault. I went first. I didn't choose to go first. Yeah, Seth hates me. That's why. <laughs> um, I do think we give up a goal just because that seems to be 
a consensus a consensus of what we usually do is give up one goal, whether at the end or end of the first half, whatever the whatever the case may be. We always give up something in the dying minutes of either half. Um, but I do think that we do play better on the road. I mean, our our record shows it. Um, and it's not in Albuquerque, so that's that's a good thing. Um, three one. Okay, I like it. Who's scoring, Earl? Okay, I know who's not scoring. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, Earl! I hate this Let's take hear. so much. Go ahead. I hate this take so much. All right, so Jacob Let's hates hear. this take because I I call it out every time, but I'm more than oh. willing, and if I am wrong, I will buy all three of you guys a beer. Um, God, I hope he scores. Romario, he won't score. Romario, <laughs> I, hope, okay. I hope he does. I hope he does. Just so to, just so I can because he thinks he's a bust. Yeah. And why? Do For you whatever that? reason. So he's. Oh, an, <laughs> uh, you're you're getting on Jacob's nerves now. Cool. No, no, um, he's not. You are. <laughs> so I personally think he's a bust. I've asked a couple people, a couple fans around. And I know they're just fans, but it's just my my questioning of it. Um, so he's played in Seth. Correct me if I'm wrong. Five games now, six. Yeah, double checking. That's about right. Something around there, give or take one or two, um, but sure, uh, for sure, around five. And he scored once. Okay. On a rebound, or a back pass, or whatever Jacob wants to call it. That um, was the rehand pass, right? Sure. Yeah. Um, he had the chance on Friday night with El Paso, and he moonshotted a header. Mm-hmm. Um, the one so from yeah, so, is that the one you're talking about? Yeah, the one at the very end of the match. Yeah, yeah. that's for Maddie. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so I I personally don't see it, but I like I've told Seth and Jacob, if he were to score, I definitely jump off of his bandwagon. Yeah, look, I. You know, you have to, you know, I, I think it's, you have the cliches of what you want to say, and then then there's the truth. And the truth oftentimes gets written gets written by the results, frankly. And, uh, you know, I think Romario, uh, I'm very, I'll just say this, I'm really happy he's on the team. I'm glad we signed him. We wanted him before he went over to Egypt. Um, I think he came in and uh, worked hard to get in shape. I think he's still working some of the rust off. Um, of his offseason but I think you also see he has scored he's been close on a few others and he has a lot that he can add to this team and we're really happy he's here so um, would it be better if he had four goals of course Um, you know I I I think everyone wants to score more at this point I don't know that there's very many players that are satisfied with their season I, I hope not um, we all have more to do. I don't. I know I'm not satisfied with the job I've done, and and Zach isn't with the job he's done. So, so we've got six games. I think, I think uh, let's let's believe in the guys we got. I think Zach's been really creative in some of the lineups. I think we're seeing some different shifts. Hopefully, Christian Nava's got a, probably another week, and we'll see him back. We I thought we lost him for the season um, when he went down, and uh, thank God for youth and uh, you know green twig limbs. The guy. Uh, didn't break anything and we think another week and he'll be out there hopefully at full health and and he can help down the stretch and Amando's looking sharp Kavan looks great uh and um 
you know, Nico's going to be out for a while. We're hoping to have him back before the season's over. And so I don't know that we're ever going to be fully healthy, but if we can get these guys all together, but then you need the chemistry. And I think we found something in the middle too with, with Weehan and Nava and, and, uh, and Moreno uh, and Portillo. So I, I like the direction we're headed. It's, it's dynamic. It's exciting. Leaves us more exposed on defense. And by the way, I know soccer very little. I'm a football guy. So I'm talking like a fan and that's what I see. I've watched a lot of United games and I've learned a lot in the last four years and, and I'm starting to really, you know, I'm really excited about, about where we're headed. Yeah. Or also give you a quick update. Uh, Romario has had eight appearances, 251 total minutes. Okay. So. Okay. Seth, so did we get a, three games worth. Yeah. Did we get a prediction for you, Seth? Uh, not yet. So oh, yeah, actually before you go, I was asked about who I thought scored. Yeah. Um, and there's three of them. So let's go. There's three of them. So definitely not all by one. Um, but I do say Kev gets a goal. Mondo gets his goal. And Bees gets his free kick goal again. Nice. How about those free kicks this year? Holy cow. Yeah, Bees has been incredible. I don't know why teams aren't lining up better against him. Shh. <laughs> yeah, you know, you, you see his confidence on those free kicks. Um, he's so talented. His ability to knuckle that ball over um, doesn't look like – it looks like it's going 20 feet over the goal and this knuckles down to the corner. And, you know, I think he wants to hit that from anywhere in the field. Justin Portillo, with one exception, has been so money on the, the PKs, which has been a big – you know, usually that goes to your, you know, your big strikers. And he's come in and really, I thought, done an excellent job there and, and uh, buried them. And uh, hopefully we get a few more of those too. So I like that. How about you, Seth? You know, RGV is a club. They've got a lot of different guys. They're spreading the ball around. A lot of guys that are scoring goals for them. No one's really stood out, though, for me. Um, I don't think they're as good as they were last year, after the, especially after the hot start they had this year. They just really fell off the map. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's a little bit of a dangerous game. Obviously, you mentioned HEB Park is, is really hard to go down and play at. Um, but I feel like we do go down. Uh, I like how strong our back has been. We did have a couple matches there where it was a little bit iffy, but I feel like we've, re- we've recovered from that a bit. Um, and so I look at what we have going forward. I see the, the chemistry really starting to flow a bit better. Kev has come back and really looked like he hasn't missed a beat playing alongside, you know, uh, bees. And he talked about, you know, playing with, with Nava before he went out. And so I think there's something there that it's really starting to, to come together a little bit better. And I mentioned this at the presser on Saturday night that it felt more fluid going forward. You really see that connectivity going up. And so, Against RGV, I see us going down, picking up a a two nil clean sheet over over the Toros. Okay, and who's who's putting it in? Looking at this, I'm gonna say just to grind Earl's gears. I'm gonna say Romario gets one. Gets the brace. <laughs> All right. I mean, I'm gonna give Romario a brace in this one. Uh, I will say, give the caveat, provided he gets the start, Romario will put will get a brace on Saturday night. So, yeah. Jacob, did you get your goal scorers in? I don't know that you got that chance. I, I didn't, but I'll go. I said two, so I'll go. Uh, I'll go Kevon for both of them. Okay. There you go. Okay. What about you, Peter? Um, I'm gonna say I said three, right? I mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I like um, 
I like Bees tucking one in. I like Amondo, and I like I like Roddy uh, polishing one off from the wing. That'd be fun. He's been really dynamic, and uh, um, and he's got a hard shot. He's got a hard that, shot. <clears throat> that poor kid uh, Garcia uh, that oh. that came in in the second half, and Roddy that that highlight package was just as much a. Um, What's the what's the opposite of a, a highlight package? Yeah, a low light package for Garcia as it was a highlight package for Reddy. Wow, and he uh, he destroyed yeah, that, him. That was uh, I'd say it was hard to watch, but it wasn't. It was no, um, no, it was a blast. Super I think I, I think I watched that highlight package like five times in a row after yeah. it came out, and I've gone back to it a couple times since. Well, Roddy hasn't played a lot, but he did a lot of the same stuff in Tulsa. He's very, uh, mm-hmm. you know, as he gains confidence, he has that ability. Um, He's very, you know, once it's one-on-one, he, I think he's a, very much like Kevon Freighter. I think in a one-on-one situation, they both expect to, to, to win um, and are very shocked when they don't. Yeah. Uh, and so I think when you see Kevon facing up, um, you, he just has this confidence, like, bring it on. He almost wants to wait for more guys to get over there. So, uh, but, uh, but I think I'd love to see more, you know, obviously, you know, uh, I really believe in Zach and the lineup he's putting out there, but it was, it was fun to watch Raddy. I think it was a great game for him and just shows sometimes you have to just wait for your opportunity and make the most of it. And that's not just soccer. That's life uh, for all of us. And, and uh, Roddy could have given up a little bit. He hadn't played a lot. Instead he's hung out, hung with it and worked hard and he really shined in front of 10,000 people. Uh, and so I don't think uh, people are going to forget that performance anytime soon. If we had won that game, I think, that's probably all we'd be talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Rad has got it. Jacob and I saw a lot in the preseason. We were really high on him and really thought he would get a lot more run than he has. But anytime he's been out there, he's been effective at what he does and seeing him drive, being able to drive the ball up that left side and just dominate as he has in this time has been really fun to watch. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good dynamic. You know, I, you know, look, I think, um, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a fun dynamic, you know, having strong wingers has been, is huge for us. Josh Suggs, when he's healthy is still one of the fastest guys in the league. Harry Swartz is a pit bull when Brucey's back there, although Brucey can also play up front. So, um, you know, we've got some guys that really can push that ball out. Obviously Rosh and Austin, when they're in that role, they're not as inclined to constantly move up into that, in, into that space. Um, so we have someone who's really comfortable doing it. It's it's fun to watch, and uh, uh, boy, he went coast. Roddy went coast to coast three or four times, and also yeah. a lot of the passes. You know, he'd beat Garcia and then chip a ball up to Moreno at half field. You know, just lay one at his feet, and away we went. And those all end up in dangerous chances. So we just have to score off the, some of those, and um, the pieces are there. It's we're not. This isn't. Uh, you know, we're, we're not looking through just, you know, rose colored glasses here. I think we really have the pieces. we got to keep working hard and make it happen. Yeah. It's, it's been a, a fun season to watch, you know, disappointing at times, you know, but you know, the club is why we're all here. The club is why you know, we started the podcast, why there's so much yeah. coverage. It's how you know, Jacob and Earl and I all met, you know? And so, you know, we've each seen things that we like and dislike about how this season has gone. And we're certainly looking forward to this final stretch of, you know, six games uh, to see what happens with the, with the playoff standings. And hopefully we get that opportunity to, to host at the lab. 
Absolutely. Hosting a playoff game is such a big, you know, it's another milestone for us. And uh, we want a lot more than that. But I think that would, you know, would be a great start. And and I appreciate what you got. I mean, this is so great what you guys have done. Um, and I know we all believe in the club and the fact that we care so much is really, really matters. Right. I, as the owner, I, I mean, I don't I'm just a fan. You know, I know I, you know, I don't sleep as well as you guys at night, mostly because I do wake up at three in the morning thinking about this and that. <laughs> um, at least, you know, maybe you guys don't sleep for other reasons, but um, but that's OK. You know, I didn't do this. Um, I knew that going in, it would there'd be a level of, of stress and I and I welcome it. I'm glad that I get to, I'm, I feel honored and privileged that I get to to do that. And I don't want to let people down, but we all love this team. We all believe in it. We can see what it can do when we win. There's nothing like it, and um, and uh, and when we lose, it hurts. So so let's stop losing uh, and let's get back to some winning, which we did a lot of earlier this year, and it's all ahead of us. But it's showtime. It's it's time to see what we got. All of us, front office staff, coaches, players. It's all on the line for all of us. Uh, Peter Serbs and I thank you so much for joining us this evening. We do appreciate taking your time. And, we, you know, I know we, David told us half an hour. We've now gone over an hour. Um, so we do, again, we appreciate you being here. And, you know, you gave us a, a lot of great answers to some questions that not only our own, but the folks over in the chat. And so uh, we do appreciate that. We appreciate the visibility that you've given the club and, you know, to an ownership group that we don't see from, uh, from a lot in a lot of different sports. And so, um, Again, just thank you so much, and uh, hopefully we see you before the next home match, which is uh, in a month's time. Yeah, hey, I'll be in San Antonio. I'll be in uh, I'll be in Vegas and San Diego. I'm probably gonna sit out RGV. This uh, you know, I end up missing about three road games this year, and um, this will be the third one. So, uh, but I'll be at the rest of them, and and uh, obviously all the home games. So, hope to see you guys on the road. See you at home. Let's pack these last two games. You know, I think it's there's nothing like it when we come together. And that's our, that's, you know, we got to see when Liverpool is playing Man City during COVID and there's no fans. It's no fun. And uh, what makes a lot of it fun is that we all come out and we care. And so let's go pack it in and, and be proud of this team and and get behind them and, and uh, will them to victory. We can do it. Thanks, fellas. All right. Thanks, Peter. You. Thanks, Peter. All right. There you guys have it. David Carl, I know you're still lurking around. Thank you so much uh, for hanging out in the background tonight. Peter, thank you so much. Uh, we'll talk to you again here uh, before too long. So um, let's see. David, thank you so much. Um, so yeah, Harry, glad you stuck around for the end of that. Jerry, appreciate you guys hanging out in the chat. Um, so, I mean, guys, great chat. We got a little bit longer with, mm -hmm. with uh, Peter than we thought we would. So um I mean, really, we already talked about RGB this weekend. Is there anything you guys want to go back and touch on real quick um, before we do get out of here with this thing? I know Earl is about to pass out over there. Actually, no. I was hoping you brought up Clash of the Castle. Well, hey, Harry, since you're since Harry's here, we can't. Okay. Jacob, do you want to okay. stick around for this? I I'm I would if I was feeling better, but I'm gonna pass on it. Um, okay. So uh, I appreciate you guys waiting till till now, uh, and you guys can. Talk about it for as long as you want. But, yeah, uh, I'm empty nesting, so I don't have a wife waiting on me. Well, nice. Yeah. Um, well, 
you guys have fun with that. Um, thank you, Harry. And we will talk to you guys next week. All right. See you, Jacob. All right, Earl. Jacob, this is something Harry specifically asked us for. Were we going to talk WWE? He asked if we were going to start early. But um, since we had Peter on tonight, I did want to you know give that, obviously, the, the priority. Uh, but looking back over the weekend, you and I both sat down. We both watched Clash at the Castle. I'm assuming Harry did as well. Um, I mean, let's just go initial reaction. I mean, for me, I was extremely underwhelmed outside of maybe two or three matches. Like I felt like this was just a really subpar event yeah and it was more i i kind of feel the same way it was more of a nostalgia thing to where 37 years they haven't had an open stadium pay-per-view or premium live event um that's gonna get me every freaking time i swear to god um so yeah so 30 something years that they haven't had something major and then this happens um it was, yeah, underwhelming. I mean, I expected at least one title change, um, whether that was Sheamus taking the win or Drew getting the win. Um, but we didn't see that, which, okay, I get why Drew didn't get the win, um, setting up a a bigger moment. Um, but I mean, Seamus could easily picked up the win over Gunther, or Gunther, or or Walter, whatever his name is around the UK. Um, but over overall, I mean, it was entertaining, as it always is. Um, and really, it was an overall entertaining weekend for wrestling. If you're a pro wrestling fan, this was the weekend to watch. I mean, you had Clash of the Castle. On Saturday morning at 11 o'clock. And then turn around and you have NXT Worlds Collide the the Sunday after. Which, in my opinion, Harry, correct me if I'm wrong. I don't know if you watch or not. Correct me if I'm wrong. At this point in time, NXT is putting on a better product than the main roster raw or smackdown um don't get me wrong i'm a huge roman reigns fan but 700 and now 40 days is probably a little too much for him um that'll probably come to an end real soon when the fiend returns but well when you're a part-time champion it's really easy to make it two years well he just recently turned part-time Still, I mean, if a you're good, only wrestling like one one or two shows a month, like a good bet, uh, a good portion of 2020 into 2021, he was on every show, every premium live event. Um, so yeah, so I don't agree with the title unification, and I really hope that it that it changes towards one title on each show. Um, but I mean, I like Roman. I love the fact, spoiler alert, by the way, I love the fact that the Uso's younger brother, Solo Saikoa showed up. Um, I mean, oh, come I was, on. Like, seriously, like have, have, Ro- have Roman drop the title, come back in a month, do it again at the next premium live event. But I, I think having more and more bloodline show up, like, 
come on. Yeah, Harry, I agree with you 100%. You need a, a title on each show, not one title for all the shows. Um, I see why they did it with NXT, because NXT UK is the same thing as NXT. Um, it's not like Raw versus SmackDown. No, it's NXT, um, just in the UK. But, so yeah, seeing Solo Psychoa show up, I mean, I'm okay with it. I think he's a very good wrestler. Um, especially when he was on NXT, I do hope that he winds up breaking away from the bloodline and going on to do his own thing. Maybe U.S. title or Intercontinental Championship, whatever the case may be. Um, yes, Roman is going to miss the next big show, which is Extreme Rules. But he will be over at Jeddah, Saudi Arabia, defending his title at Crown Jewel. Of course, they're um, not going to put him in extreme rules. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Sabu's so, got to show up and kick his ass. Uh, fucking Oldberg. <laughs> That's the one that they always. So let me let me ask this: talking about the the newest member of the Bloodline possibly coming out, and you know, you talking about him getting a title run somewhere, U.S. title, Intercontinental, something. Does it feel like the the WWE is now trying to push Dominic before he's ready? Obviously, yeah. the big to me that was one of the bigger moments tonight with Dominic's you know pulling the the heel turn by my cheap shining Edge and 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 Ray. You know, are they trying to try to push him or are they just trying to stick him in a new stable temporarily? It's just a temporary thing. Um, Dominic is, in my opinion, very well prepared to be on his own. Um, I mean, obviously with his dad being freaking Rey Mysterio, um, yeah, he's definitely, definitely has some kind of coaching to go there. And with him getting thrown into a feud with Edge, I mean, Edge is one of the greatest superstars to ever freaking live. Um, So with him being thrown into a feud with Edge or a rivalry with Edge, Edge can teach him some things that won't be, that won't be there or won't be shown without him having that that partnership going on. Um, Maybe they should have a few to Pat McAfee. I'm sure McAfee could teach him a few things. I love or Logan Pat Paul. McAfee. I love Pat McAfee. Um, but then he's also partnered with other veterans. I mean, he is working alongside Finn Balor, who has seen it, has been all over the world, has held titles in every brand other than TNA, I believe, or AEW too, but that's a different story. Um, all the all the previous ones pre-AEW, Finn Balor's been there. He was the first Universal Champion, and he only relinquished the title because he separated his shoulder. Um, so no, so he has, Dominic has all the potential, and with with him being wrapped around with everyone, all these legends and veterans, he he will be a great star in half a year to a year's time. I, I think it'll be interesting to see what happens with Dominic um, and see what happens with some of these. I want to see what happens with the with the Drew McIntyre, Roman Reigns storyline, see how that continues. Um, I feel like that was a missed moment. I mean, obviously it would have gotten a gigantic pop over in Wales if 
if Drew had won. I think Sheamus would have gotten a fantastic pop if he had won the title as well. Okay, so here's here's the thing, and I've been watching wrestling for 27 years of my life, so I, I see it now. Pro wrestling is also pro entertainment. It's sit on the edge of your seat, not know what to expect. Everyone wants the Cinderella story of Drew marching into Wales, beating Roman Reigns, walking out with both titles, and the world lives happily ever after. Um, But what fun is that? When you can predict it, what fun is that? Dominic does need a new haircut. Uh, but yeah, so like what fun is that? So, I remember years ago, the results used to come out before the matches were even done. Yeah, leaks. Love those. Yeah. Um, so now they have it to where they're calling the match live, so you don't get the leak. Um, I mean, they know you obviously know what's going to happen, who's going to win for the most part, except when you're in overseas territories in a big event with a hometown kid there. I mean, everyone fully expected Drew to win. I fully expected Drew to win. And when Drew is counting Roman down, one, two, and then out of the blue, the ref gets pulled out of the ring, your heart stops. You're like, what the hell just happened? Um. So then whenever it was revealed as Solo Psychoa, that's where you're... I don't even know the word for it right now. That's where your like frustration, just different emotions are running through your body at that time. You're like, what the crap just happened? Um, and it's the heartbreak of not watching Drew win because you fully expected it. It's like Tom Brady going to the Super Bowl and not winning. I'm happy when that doesn't happen. Well, I'm not I mean, upset. You, you, but you expect it. You yeah. expect Tom Brady to win. So if you're a Tom Brady fan, you've been following Tom Brady for so long, and then all of a sudden you see him not winning a Super Bowl, you're like, what just happened? You, okay. You're going to hate me for this one. You can actually relate to this. 28 to 3. Sorry, technical difficulties there. You fully expected, I fully expected the Falcons to win. Yeah. And then they didn't. And the emotion that goes through your body when that happened, you're like, uh... What just happened? And that's exactly how the Roman Reigns storyline goes right now. Where, yeah, he's getting to the point where people are exploiting him. Where he can get beat. But then he always seems to have a backup plan. Whether it's the Usos. Paul Heyman. I mean, Paul Heyman took a freaking F5 for for Roman Reigns. And then now you have Solo Psychoa. So yeah, it's always something with him that helps him win and just feeds feeds that tough guy, feeds that 
I'm better than you mentality and just always breaks your heart. To be fair, I'm sure Paul Heyman has taken worse than an F5, um, you know, in his many, many years of being involved in ECW, WWE, and so on. Yeah. Um, go back to Harry's point here real quick. I want, I'm assuming this means Kevin, Kevin Owens. Yeah. Um, so Kevin Owens deserves a title, a belt, a championship, whatever you want to call it. If you're Cody Rhodes, you're going to call it a belt. Doesn't he need to beat Logan Paul first? Dear God, we can have a serious <laughs> conversation. But no, Kevin Owens, I mean, he is dedicated. He puts in his work. He went through a freaking rivalry with Ezekiel. I'm still, I still understand any of that. I'm So yeah, it was a way to keep him involved, a way to give him something to do because there was nothing for him going on in the main in the main championship storylines. So for him to gratefully accept a storyline with Ezekiel or Elias, whatever you want to call it. Harry, can you tell me, is it Ezekiel or Elias? Um, just wondering, by the way. So, yeah, so for Kevin Owens to do that, that just shows his dedication to the company. He, whether it, if it's not a world championship, it needs to be a USA championship or a intercontinental, not no 24-7 bullshit or anything like that. Is that still a thing? The twenty four seven championship? It is. Okay. I didn't I, I know it used to be like when Al Snow was around, but No, that was a hardcore championship. Well, they have that too. But yeah, so twenty four twenty four seven championship is just the exact same thing. Um, only it's painted green and it has a shiny twenty four seven in the middle. So um, I do I do have a question for you. So during the and you know well, first off during the main event, Saturday night, Saturday morning, obviously, um, Theory once again ran in, tried to cash in his money in the bank. Has that been officially cashed in yet, or no. is he still? <laughs> no. So he will hold on to it until it is announced Theory is cashing in his money in the bank. Okay. But if he just hands it to the ref and nothing's announced and he gets knocked out cold, like when, like what happened with Tyson Fury, then yeah, he still holds it. Okay, so I assume this is something they're going to keep going. Yeah. Okay. It's one of those things where you don't expect it. Obviously, him coming out at Clash of the Castle, you expect him to cash it in. It's one of those heartbreaking moments that he's going to become the bad guy and cash in on Drew. But obviously, you can't make Drew look weak, and you can't make Roman Reigns look weak. That's true. Um, did Bret Hart get a big enough pop Saturday? Look. Vince didn't screw Bret. Bret screwed Bret. Okay. So, no, he didn't get a big enough pop. <laughs> I don't okay. know where I was going with that one. I was curious. I was just curious because you know, obviously, no, you he, bring back you bring back a legend like Brett the Hitman Hart, uh, a place where, especially in a place where you know him and his family are so well known and loved. Like, I figured he would get a bit more than just a Brett Hart's in the audience. You know, 
um, bring him out, you know, do something for me. Obviously, you know, Davy Boy Smith was, you know, his cousin or his brother-in-law, I believe. Um, you know, I, I just figured it would have been more of a, a, a deal there for him. So yeah, no. So the way the way that works is Vince McMahon got over that. Bret Hart got over that, but Triple H hasn't got over that. Interesting. Okay. That's an interesting take on that. I wouldn't have thought about it, but, um, you know, definitely something I'll have to consider next time if Bret Hart ever does make another return to the WWE while Triple H is in charge of things. But um, talking more about the, the premium live event itself on Saturday, obviously I think there were only six matches on the card. Um, mm-hmm. There was a, a six-woman tag match to, to kick things off. Gunther over Sheamus. Liv Morgan defeated Shayna Baszler. I thought that was an interesting match. Um, for me, that the Judgment Day against Edge and Ray was a fun match to watch. Um, but I think Rollins and Riddle just stole the show uh, yeah. for me. Definitely. I felt like that was the best match. Like I could have, I honestly could have done without the first half of the card and been okay with the three matches and said, "Hey, that's like a, a B plus, you know, a a show." Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the storyline for Rollins and Riddle was very well written, very well played out. Um, they played it out to where Rollins and Riddle could not be near each other without having to fight. They showed a video, which was obviously staged, of Rollins and Riddle in the parking lot getting into a fight. So they were separated. And then Rollins and Riddle had separate interviews, a simultaneous interview separated from each other. And when they ended the interview, both of them stayed on. And so during the interview, Riddle said something about Becky Lynch, who is Seth Rollins' wife. Um, after the interview, they went off the air, but the cameras were still on, so it was still recording. Rollins then turned around and called out Riddle for his previous divorce. So it just like added to the tension of the match and added to the fact that they just want to beat the hell out of each other. Um... And they're both agile and athletic superstars. I mean, would I have loved to see Rollins or Riddle get the win? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But I think they're building up to a Randy Orton return to come save Riddle. I mean, it, it could be. You know, I I typically only watch the premium shows. I don't see raw or smackdown a whole lot so i don't know like all the individual storylines but i don't know it just it just felt to me like there should have been more for this show i mean i feel like six matches is a bit small i feel i feel like the last couple ones i've had what seven eight matches a piece yeah typical Um, a typical pay-per-view has six um the major pay-per-views like royal rumble wrestlemania SummerSlam, survivor series has around eight. Okay. Um, so yeah, I just um, I felt it was underwhelming, and I felt like honestly, I felt like Raw was better <laughs> than uh, than the show, than the live show. Obviously, you know, Braun Strowman made his return, and what the heck was it? Who is this dude popping out from under the bottom of the ring while the Miz is trying to climb out? Like, what is going on with that? 
I guess the Miz got carried out. Like that's Dexter Loomis. Okay, I don't know anything about that. That was so just- Dexter Loomis is a former NXT star. Okay. Um, he was one of the Triple H uh, returns when Triple H took over. Obviously, Triple H has high visions of Dexter Loomis. Um, so they plugged um, Dexter Loomis and the Miz into a storyline to where Dexter Loomis is harassing the Miz. Um, he will show up randomly out of the blue. A couple weeks ago, he actually kidnapped the Miz out of the arena. And then ever since then, the Miz has just seen him everywhere. Um, last week, so a week from yesterday, um, it was a United States Championship match against Bobby Lashley. Riddle or the Miz was about to win. And then all of a sudden he looks the Miz looks up and he sees Dexter Loomis standing over there by the crowd and he winds up losing. So he called for a steel cage to keep Dexter Loomis out of the ring. Um, obviously Miz was about to win. He looks down and there is Dexter Loomis looking out from under the ring. Right where the Miz would drop down and win the match. Um, so obviously with the Miz being the actor and the great wrestler that he is, he climbs back in the ring, winds up losing the match. Interesting. Yeah, I just I saw this thing pop up on my Twitter feed. It's like some dude like popping up from underneath the ring. I was like, what in the world is yeah. this? So essentially what they are doing, and I don't know how far back into wrestling history you want to go um, or you want to open the book into. Um, a, a, a Quite a while back, like early to mid-2000s, there was a great rivalry with The Undertaker and Diamond Dallas Page. Okay, I vaguely remember that, yeah. But The Undertaker was not the Phenom Undertaker. He was actually the American Badass Undertaker. Right. And so Diamond Dallas Page was not harassing The Undertaker, but he was harassing The Undertaker's then-wife, Sarah. Um, So that's kind of where they're going with this one is harassing Sarah to get to The Undertaker, only this time it's Dexter Loomis harassing The Miz, possibly to get to Tommaso Ciampa. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, I was just I just had to ask. I was I was curious about it, and you know, obviously I want to get your take on Clash at the Castle. Um, we've we talked Rollins Riddle. Was there any other match that stood out, good or bad? And you know, do you think that there's anything that like I don't know, just anything that stood out from this one for you? I think the one that stood out was women's wrestling. It's come a long freaking way. Um, you've come from Fabulous Moolah doing her one move. Yeah, Fabulous Moolah and Mae Young doing their one move to Liv Morgan just tearing up the world. Then you have Bianca Belair, who is the EST. And that's legit the truth, the EST right now of WWE. I say right now because there will be a return sometime soon. Two returns sometime in the very, very near future. Um, Trish Stratus. No. No, no. Uh, Sasha Banks. Okay. Which I'm okay with. I love Sasha Banks to death. 
Um, so yeah, so she'll be coming back soon and she'll be doing her thing. That's when she'll probably win the title. Um, so I'm thinking that Liv Morgan winning the title is probably just a transitional championship. Um, just to get the belt on to Sasha Banks. You know, I, I will say that, yeah, I agree with you. Women's wrestling has come a long way. I've seen a lot of great women's matches over the past several months, particularly at the, at the pay-per-views. Um, one person that stood out and like, I, I don't know, the six woman tag just like did not hit for me at all. I mm-hmm. felt like it was really poor, but I will say I like the non-psychotic Alexa bliss. I don't know. I kind of like both. Yeah. Um, Alexa bliss has always been one of my favorites. So when she was with the partner with the fiend, um, that was great. She she played the part, did her thing, um, and definitely definitely played it well. Um, I don't. <laughs> yeah, sorry that that you bringing it up. That role made me think that she would have done well with like Viscera or like the old yeah uh, yeah <laughs> yeah. She definitely can make any part play well because she's that good. Um, I don't see the non psychotic Alexa Bliss staying for long. Because mm-hmm. rumor has it Bray Wyatt should be coming back sometime soon. Um, so yeah, so I don't see the non-psychotic Alexa Bliss staying for long, but I'll enjoy it while it lasts, that's for sure. <laughs> All right, Earl, any closing thoughts on Clash at the Castle or the upcoming uh, potential storylines heading into Extreme Rules? Or, or do you think Extreme... Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe Extreme Rules is kind of like a one-off thing. It's typically set outside of the the storylines or they do they try to incorporate it now they usually try to incorporate it i remember yeah, a couple years ago it was completely separate yeah so right now the only match i know for sure will happen at extreme rules will be rollins riddle okay um that's just the hype that they've been pushing it where rollins is still or riddle is still antagonizing rollins for a match um so yeah, that'll definitely happen at Extreme Rules. Other than that, I cannot foresee any other match going on to that card, but I can guarantee that I will definitely be watching. Do you, all right, real quick, do you think we see a TLC match, a barbed wire match, anything with thumbtacks, hell in a cell, people going through cages, or kendo sticks and various other objects? Does Jackass make a return? At Extreme Rules? No. Yeah. Well, you might see a TLC, maybe. Um, I doubt it though. You definitely won't see a Hell in Cell because they have their own pay-per-view for that. Mm-hmm. Um, Thumbtacks, they've kind of went away with because that draws blood. Um, barbed wire matches, they've never been a fan of because we're not ECW. McFoley. Um, McFoley is also old as shit and retired. Yeah. Um, so no, I think it's going to be stay the course on what they've been doing. Um, and just put on some good content. So if you're not do, if you're not going to pay homage to EC dub, which is what, which is what extreme rules originally was. It was an homage to mm-hmm. EC dub. How, if you're not going to do things like that, how can it be extreme rules? I'm because... sorry. Other than saying there's no DQs in every match, like, I mean, if you're not going to do the, the extreme stuff, the stuff that we that WCW and WWE, WWF, would not do back in the day, but ECW did, 
I'm sorry. It's because the PG-13 television rating. That's mm. why. So they're still trying to appease to a younger crowd who didn't grow up watching wrestling. Who is just who are just getting now getting into it. So when you show all the blood, when you show all the gore, when you show someone being tossed into a flaming ta- flaming uh, table, um, someone being thrown off of a ladder, you don't see those bumps anymore because of who the demographic that they're targeting is. You won't see a bloody Ric Flair or blood dripping down the face of anyone now. And if you do, they black and white it so you don't see it. So, yeah, I don't – so I personally don't like it because I am a fan of everything hardcore that WWE does. Um, But in the same breath, I understand why they're doing it. Yeah, I always thought the hardcore stuff was – was some of the most entertaining, you know, outside mm-hmm. of the the true like, you know, attitude era, you know, DX, you know, all those all the big feuds from then. I felt like the, the extreme rules stuff, the hardcore championship, you know, mankind, Mick Foley, whatever whatever persona he was in, you know, you saw things that you weren't seeing anywhere else outside of ECW. I mean, I would go and find scrambled ECW, you know, uh, to try to watch it, you know. Because it was so much more entertaining for a long time than what the two mainstream companies are doing. And so, you know, when you, when WWE got into TLC and, you know, those kinds of things, I felt like they took a big step forward. And so, I don't know. I, obviously, we'll watch I'll watch Extreme Rules as well to see what happens. And, you know, I, I would like to see a better, you know, a, a better rendition than what we've seen in the past couple of years. Yeah. All right. Well, Earl, any other thoughts before we get out of here? No, not really. I do thank Harry for staying up late and talking some wrestling with me. Yeah, absolutely. I know Harry's a big fan. And, uh, we, uh, you know, I do try to give us opportunities to do this. You know, I, Jacob, obviously not a, not a big wrestling fan, but you and I will sit down and talk it. And, uh, you know, I, maybe I'll try to watch some more of the, the weekly shows. Um, yeah. And the easiest way to do it is on, uh, it's on that old direct TV app you got on your phone. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll definitely have to log into that and, and watch some of that. At least Monday Night Raw anyway. So SmackDown's on Hulu, right? SmackDown's on Fox. Right, yeah, that's that's on Hulu. So, um, But yeah, I'll definitely keep an eye out for some of those. So, uh, If you stuck with us for this long, we do appreciate you being here. Obviously, earlier in the main part of the show, we did have New Mexico United uh, owner and president Peter Trevisani join us to sit down for about an hour. Uh, to talk uh, over a number of questions that we had, answer some questions from the chat for us. So uh, this will definitely be live on your podcast feeds later in the week. Um, to everyone over in the chat, we had a lot of folks, a lot of names pop in tonight that I have not seen pop in before. So uh, Craig Buchanan, Alex Rodriguez, uh, Sombrero Man, Adam Montoya, Harry, Jerry, thank you guys all so much for being here and hanging out with us this evening. We do appreciate each and every one of you. Um, for for Jacob, for Earl, thank you, David Carl, thank you, Peter Trevisani for hanging out. Hey, Adam Montoya still in the chat. Happy 100, 100th episode. Absolutely. 100 episodes. Here's to 100 more. Uh, we look forward to doing this each and every week. and do appreciate the support that you guys show us. So with all of that being said, Saturday night down in HEB Park, RGV, New Mexico, United. Be sure to watch live on ESPN Plus or listen to ESPN Radio 1017 The Team. And until next time, 
Somos Unidos. Acknowledge me. You've been listening to Somos Mas, your source for the latest news and notes on New Mexico United, the USL, and the New Mexico Runners. All of our shows are recorded live on Tuesday nights and are streamed on our YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter pages. An audio-only version of the show goes live later in the week on all major podcast platforms. Our show is written and produced by Seth Bidoff, Jacob Terrell, and Earl Nieto, and is edited by Seth. All episodes are recorded and edited using StreamYard and Audacity.